Pillars of Health podcast with strength coach John Carroll coming to you from the Movement Lab in Raleigh, North Carolina. We're about to dive into everything you need to know when it comes to strength and conditioning, nutrition, sleep, and stress management. Check us out on movementlabrally.com and coachjohncarroll.com. And now your host, John Carroll. Hello, everyone. On the Pulse Health Podcast today, I'm chatting to Brendan Rerick. Brendan is a strength coach. He's located on the West Coast. And today we're chatting about how to create client buy-in. And we want to go deep into that one. Some really good points brought up by Brendan in that discussion. In the second half of our chat, we're going to get into the future of the fitness industry and where exactly Brendan sees that going in the next five to ten years. And again, some really good takes on this one, some good insight Check him out on social media. He is Collect Moments, Not Things, things with a Z at the end on all his social media platforms. And he's also part of Certified Functional Strength Coach Crew. You can check him out online there as well. And I hope you guys enjoy. So I've got a little icebreaker for you. Ooh, okay. Hit me. Your opinions on the future of NFL with all the concussion CTE stuff going around. Ah. Oh. Man, so this is coming from someone who I grew up playing football since I was eight years old, and I played until freshman year of college. So I played from eight until I was 19 years old. So I played for 11 years, 11 straight years of football. And personally, I I probably have had four or five concussions, maybe Mm -hmm. even more than that. And I know it, and I never came out of the game, uh, which is stupid. Uh, I'm glad they have new rules where they actually like check you. Yeah. Because before, when I was when when I was younger, you you'd come like walking on the sideline. They'd be like, "Are you okay?" And you just say yes, and they're like, "Okay, fine." Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be who I am and where I am today without playing football and the discipline of football. I probably I can almost guarantee you I would have been in drugs. I wouldn't have gotten into exercise. I would have been in the wrong crowd. I didn't drink alcohol till I was in college because it was football, 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 football. I didn't want to ruin my career. I didn't want to jeopardize. I got good grades because of football. Yeah. So if I could go back, I would do it again knowing the concussions. I wouldn't, if I had a, I had a son, I wouldn't let him play until he was 12 years old. Okay. Um, I don't think it's good for the young kids. But again, at 12, you're looking at, I might even say like, junior year of high school i might not let them play right um there's of course there's plenty of other sports that people can play football was my love rugby right was your love well soccer for me well soccer for you yeah you did you play rugby i, I mean i played a little rugby but it was it was more soccer yeah but i mean if you look at rugby though they don't hit with their heads and <laughs> they don't That's have it. the same yeah. problem that we do and you have to tackle around the legs too so yeah i I think that they're going to keep making the helmets better and they've already taken out the head shots. But if you play football for 25 years, your brain's getting rattled. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Um, and here's the other thing, though, is those guys know they're jeopardizing their life expectancy to play football and to make millions of dollars. So it's a, it's a personal choice. It's a life choice. And I... I don't. I guess I. I don't know if I want to say I don't feel bad about it for them. It is. They obviously have the. 
it is the trade-off, and they know they're jeopardizing. Because I believe the life expectancy of an NFL football player is 59 and a half. Wow. And we just said that the world yeah. is 70. And in America, I think for males, it's 78. That is shocking. Or 76. So you're, you're dropping 15, 20 years <sighs> of your life to play football. For sure, um, and that is a that is a personal choice. So, well, look at the whole Le'Veon Bell situation, you know, because it cracks me up when there's guys going, you know, I, I drafted Le'Veon Bell on my fancy football team, and he's not playing. He's so selfish. <laughs> like, uh, no, his life is on the line. You're just playing fancy football. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Perspective. <laughs> but yeah, I can see why he wants a hundred million dollars guaranteed because, like you said, he. He knows he only has two or three good years of football left, right? Because of the concussions and running backs get 300, 400 carries a year, and they get beat to hell. Like, yeah. And you, I don't blame them. Like it's it's so that's my take on the concussion. Yeah. If you thing, uh, and I don't think it's going anywhere. People love football, so yeah, yeah. That's the thing. You know, when I hear like people saying, "Oh, the numbers for for pee wee football are, are dropping off," I was like, "Yeah, but still, everybody loves watching football, so." Yeah, and it's I don't think that really affects football because I just think kids will get into it when they're older now instead yeah. of younger. Okay, which is what I I would be a proponent of uh, that having uh, having your kids start at a later age when they're more mature. Well, that that makes sense too because it's just you know shorter light or sorry shorter span of time that they're being exposed to those potential hits too. So that makes sense, you know. Correct, and and the brain is I mean your brain's developing until you're 22, but it's yeah. Most developed by the time you're probably 15. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, and for anyone listening, or even yourself, if you haven't listened to the, uh, I think it was the Globe Spotlight done a podcast on Aaron Hernandez. It is really good. Check that out. Ooh, yeah, I'm, I'm putting it on my list. Yeah. thank you. Really good. Cool. So we're going to get into number one, establishing client buy-in, and you know myself and yourself. Over the years, we've probably come across different people who, for some reason or another, maybe it wasn't obvious to them why they need to incorporate exercise as a life habit, and uh, we're just going to get a delve into that today. So, somebody who's coming in for the first time, I'll, I'll share with you what I, I currently do. I personally think it's the best way to do it, because that's why I'm doing it. <laughs> I wouldn't do it if I didn't think it was correct. I'm, I'm sure there's better things I can be doing in other ways that I can definitely learn to improve. The, the system I kind of use. So the first thing I do before they come in is I try to get a snapshot either from an email or a phone call of why they're coming in. Uh, and, and this is for me more than just goals. And there's a, I don't know if it's a business thing or, or where it comes from, but there's a, they, they call it the five whys. So if client comes in and you, they say like, I want to lose 20 pounds and you're like, okay, why? And like, oh, well, um, I've lost, uh, I've gained a few pounds because I've been stressed out and I haven't been eating well and I've, I've put on 20 pounds over the last year. Like, okay, why? <laughs> yeah. Why is, why is that important to you? Like, why? well, uh, if I, I'm also pre-diabetic and I, I don't want to get diabetes, I don't want to have to use insulin and I want to just be healthier. Okay, well, why why is it important for you to be healthier? Well, I have two kids, and I want to make sure that I can be there for them and play with them, and I want to live a long life and not have to be on medications and seeing my doctor all the time. Right. Okay, we got our five whys. We know why we're here. 
we know how it happened, and we know the true like underlying motivation for this is your family, your children, and watching them grow and having a nice long lifespan. So it's not just I want to lose twenty pounds. Yeah. Um, so there, there's the five whys. So you just keep asking why until you whittle it down to the actual thing that motivates this person to get up out of bed in the morning. Have you have you found um, that real challenging with some people to ha- like their ability to open up with you on that first time? You know. Oh yeah. So I I believe it was Dan John who said this once in one of his seminars. People come in and they tell you what they think you want to hear. Yeah. Right, I'm the trainer, so they come in like, I want to get stronger and lose weight. <laughs> like, okay, yes, that is what I want to hear, yeah. but that's not why you're here. And even if you keep asking the five whys, it's really difficult for people to open up. And sometimes that takes four, five, ten sessions before you're going to get to the actual why. So you want to you wanna poke and prod. But you don't want to scare them off either. So if you find someone becoming very defensive, um, you kind of might just want to go into the next question, which may lead you to eventually to what it is you're looking for. Um, So yeah, always remember that people will tell you what they think you want to hear as a a coach because they don't want to admit their faults. The second thing, my second question is always, what has your previous fitness experience been and I ask this because that will tell me how much tolerance you have for what we're gonna do over the next few sessions so a good example of this is you have someone who comes in who's never exercised in their life in 40 years you know that person has no previous or no idea of what's coming or what soreness is or what to expect. So their brain has no snapshot of what this might be like. Whereas if you have somebody that's like, oh, I, I did gymnastics when I was younger, I played soccer, I played volleyball, I lifted weights in my 20s, like, okay, this person's gonna have a much higher tolerance for whatever it is we're about to do and what I ask of them. All right. So I always ask previous fitness experience. My third question is then, what is your current fitness experience like? Is it you're going to the gym a few days a week and you want me to help you build something out? Is it nothing at all? Is it going for walks? Um, Because I want to know what you're currently doing and I want to kind of almost champion that as my positive. Like, okay, great. Like, you haven't done anything? Totally fine. Like, we'll start slow. Like, we'll we'll get you into it. We'll get you something that you can be consistent on. Um, Or if they've been doing it a lot, I'm like, hey, man, that's great. Like, I don't want you to stop running. Unless it's causing you pain, if you run three days a week at three miles at a time and you love it, don't stop. I just want to add to what you're already doing. Yeah. And so, like current fitness experience gives you a, a very good snapshot of where you're going to start as well, as long as asking, uh, as well as asking previous fitness experience. Four is your current lifestyle, and your obviously your nutrition habits. So I want to know what you do for work, how how do you sleep at night, what your stress levels like. And what do you eat normally? And actually, because sometimes I ask this question later while we're working out. And a little kind of side note here, the first half hour is just talking in bedside manner. Mm-hmm. The second half hour is actually exercising. Okay. So say we're foam rolling and stretching. Like when we're in a hip stretch, I might say like, hey, like, 
So tell me about your sleep a little bit while we're stretching here so that we're, we're keeping the conversation going and they're not thinking about what they're, that they're exercising. Yeah. <laughs> uh, nice little like psychology trick there. <laughs> so I, sometimes I save that question for later unless they're like a real talker. You get those people that want to talk and talk and talk. Right. So sometimes I'll just be like, okay, let's, let's just get it all out now. Spit it out. <laughs> um, so then we go current lifestyle. And then my fifth question, which I don't think enough people ask personally, or I, I don't see enough trainers asking it, is what is the realistic amount of time you're willing to spend on exercising? And that answer will tell me a lot about what your actual goals are and if they're attainable because now I can have a better conversation with you because if you say to me uh, well realistically I, I'm going to work out two days a week for half an hour I'm going to say okay well <laughs> losing 20 pounds in the next two months is not going to be easy if that's what you're willing to put in I think if you you had to do one of two things there you either drop the weight goal, which is fine. Maybe we go to eight pounds or you increase the amount that you're willing to do realistically. Yeah. And so like asking that question, I think really puts you and the, the client like face to face and on the same level as opposed to like in the, because in the beginning, I think you want to meet people where they're at to start. Yeah. And precision nutrition is very good at doing this precision nutrition all of their dietary and nutrition stuff is you meet them where they're at first. Yeah, very true. Then, then you give them something that's not that's more a, a higher expectation or a higher standard to reach later once they're bought in. Right. Because I think too many people go right for the gusto and they're like, "Yeah, like let's do it. Like you want to lose twenty pounds, let's go." And like you didn't, <laughs> you didn't find out why. You didn't find out if that's realistic for them. Yeah. You didn't find out what they're doing on the outside of coming to see you. If people just come in to me and we start foam rolling and they say, I want to lose 20 pounds, and you say, let's go, you've, I think you've, you've dropped a lot of balls there. Exactly. Quick little question on kind of like the situation you just described. If someone comes in mm -hmm. and they have these vast expectations, of you know, which is great to have in relation to having a goal, right? Like you want to lose 20 pounds, fantastic. But... <laughs> the amount of time they're willing to commit to it or the amount of money they're willing to commit to it too. That can be another yeah. thing, right? How, how do you manage that? So when we, go, when we go to money, that is another question you can then ask. Uh, if, if they say they want to come in six days a week for an hour, you got to ask about money. You're like, well, can you afford that? What I can do for you is I can give you stuff to do on the outside mm -hmm. when you're not here or you can like, I'll then ask like, what's your favorite thing activity to do that's outdoors? And you might say, Oh, I love to play tennis. Like, okay, you're going to play tennis one day a week and you're going to go hit some balls or you're going to go for a hike two days a week for a half hour. And then you'll come and see me realistically. What can you afford? one day or two days a week. Okay, you'll see me two days a week. I'm going to educate you. So I always tell my clients, like, listen, I want this to be you learning, and I want this to be educational as much as I want it to be about us reaching your exercise goals. Yeah. Because I want you to have the tools in order to be able to do this on your own or in a hotel room. Or if you do go into financial trouble, you're like, okay, I know what I have to do, 
and I know how to do it, and I know the things that are going to keep me from getting injured, and I'm very comfortable with that because Brendan taught me how to do these things. And maybe I am, maybe that's a dumb way to train, like because I'm effectively telling you you're going to graduate, and I don't want your money anymore. <laughs> but the more you do that, the more people you seem to have on your waiting list. Yeah, see, I would, uh, and I you, would. The more recommendations you get. That approach I love a lot because you are, number one, empowering that person, right? And they see light at the end of the tunnel, like, yes, we're going to work together, but my goal is to kind of make you self-sufficient in a way. And right. like the way you said, like maybe that's not the smartest business approach, but I feel like that person then wants to tell other people about you, and you're just guaranteed more referrals, I think. Exactly. And if that person ever has another issue again or they want to come back and exercise, who do they go to? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they immediately come and seek you out. Exactly. Um, and you're you're just creating this lifelong. Uh, and there's the book Raving Fans. You're creating a raving fan by doing that. And yeah. the raving fan is the person that's going to tell all their friends. They're never going to leave. They're willing to buy any product that you put out there. Um, I I always take because I, I put everyone's program on paper and then I put it uh, on a PDF and I email them the PDF so like they have it. They can okay. access it. They can never be like. I don't have, I don't know what to do. It's like, I've, I've sent you the videos here. This is what I want you to do. If you have 10 minutes today, I just want you to do the warm up that we do for 10 minutes. That's yeah. it. Okay. Or pick one, pick one exercise, do it once. If you've got five minutes, that's it. Um, so you're, what you're effectively doing there is you're, you're decreasing the barriers for exercise. Cause a lot of people assume that like, ah, oh, shit, if I don't exercise for an hour with my trainer, John, like, I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. Right. And that's like, that's the last thing I want you to think. I, I'm like, you have five minutes on Monday morning at the train stop. Like, I want you to be like, oh, Brendan told me to do some squats and some shoulder circles. Like, I'm going to do those now while I'm waiting. Like, perfect. That's exactly what we want to do. Yeah. Um, and, or like you said, that's what you want to empower them to be able to do. Right. And so after these questions, again, it, for a lot of people, it takes 30 minutes. And yeah, I personally, I don't think you're wasting the session by asking all these questions because you're really getting into the why and you're really setting yourself up for success later. The, the second half of the workout, which is 30 minutes, is I do not do an assessment because I save the, the assessment for the second, second workout. And that's how we start the second workout because the person that's coming in generally already knows they're not good at moving they're not good at exercise, and they're coming to see you for help. They don't need to know what they're not already good at. <laughs> yeah. And it can be very deflating to be like trying to put somebody through an FMS screen. or. And if you think about it, if you do the same simple baseline easy exercises every time, you're getting a screen even when you do the same workout, the 30 minutes that you have. So we foam roll. I, we do some hip and shoulder stretching, so I see how your hip and shoulders move. Right. They don't know they're getting assessed. Yeah, I'm assessing them, just watching them go through. I'm talking to them. And then I do some split squats, which is your inline lunge. We do some leg lowers. We do maybe some TRX rows. I've never had anyone not be able to do a TRX row unless your arm is in a sling. Right. So, And all of those exercises are very simply you can regress and progress them which is why I use them. So if I watch you do a split squat and you can't do one, I'm like, hey, grab these two foam rollers and put them underneath your arms or your hands and then use them to assist yourself up. Right. Or if you're like big, strong, whatever, 
girl guy who's been lifting a lot. I'm like, all right, grab these two kettlebells. Let's see how many you can do for 10. Yeah. Uh, and so it's very easy to scale. If you do the same workout every time, you do something for your legs, something for your arms. Uh, I do push-ups or planks, and I time your plank or your push-up just to see how many you can do. Uh, and again, you're getting an assessment, but you're also getting a workout at the same time, and you're giving them like a little bit of taste of what it's going to be like and what's coming. Like a lot, of, a lot of people haven't seen how to use a foam roll. Right. What the hell is this? Well, this is how we're going to start our workout. Um, so I'm, I'm doing an assessment, but I'm not writing anything down in front of them and making it objective and making them feel poorly about themselves. I'm not having them run us unless I, if we're talking like professional athlete or a, a very good high school athlete who they already know their motivation. Like I want to be better at volleyball. Like, okay, like let's get after it. Yeah. But the people who are paying our bills as trainers, the people that are baby boomers who are paying most of our bills and paying the kids bills. Those are the people that they, they don't need to be kind of, put on display with say an FMS or say with you standing there with a stopwatch over them while they try while they struggle through something. Right. So yeah, it's a very simple, basic workout. I'm talking with them the whole time, maybe asking those lifestyle questions. And then from the beginning, we're going on five wise previous fitness experience, current fitness experience. And what is realistic for you from a, time perspective and like you mentioned uh, a financial perspective so i gotta say in relation to not having the assessment until the second one i absolutely again i love that approach because you're right someone who's coming in to see you they almost have this urgency inside them where they're like okay i i need to do something and when you just put them through the you know screen slash workout that's almost Mm -hmm. satisfying that because if you were to come in ask them questions and put them through an assessment they're like this is not what i want to do type of thing right Right, right. So, I, I mean, they want to exercise. Yeah. That's why they're there. Exactly. So get them a little sweaty, make them a tiny bit sore so they know it works. Yeah. Uh, and so, and then I was saying, um, I always send them home with something too. I think that's important. Uh, it's not like you're just leaving here and we're not going to be seeing each other again or I'm not going to be helping you outside of here. So I always give them one thing to do between today's workout and our ne- next workout that we discuss. So whether it's a walk or whether it's redoing the same workout we just did or hiring that nutritionist or buying a new bed <laughs> that or buying buying a new pillow so you sleep better or, right. or putting up blackout curtains. Like, I don't know what it is. It's whatever it is. What's that one thing that you want them to do between now and the next workout? Uh, I send them the PDF with the goal. I, I write down the goals, their whys, and first workout that we did with some video links and just make sure you're you're focusing on those big rocks and i also think of it as this uh the the have you ever heard of the goal snowball yeah what i love about this idea is that you start with the little things like we just said the one thing and then you're gonna push the snowball and let it roll down the hill and get bigger and bigger and bigger so it gains momentum Mm -hmm. so maybe like we said it's that hey like go for a 30 minute walk between now and today like and do that for two weeks okay like then let's build on top of that little small win that you had and let's keep going for those wins right and eventually in six months to a year you're this person's completely transformed their life and you didn't have to go for it all in one month yeah <laughs> or yeah. all in one week so that's kind of my client buy-in process so that's uh 
That's really, you know, for, for me, that's really great to hear because I've seen both ends of the spectrum. I've seen, you know, in a, com a commercial gym setting where, like you said, someone comes in and is like, I want to lose 20 pounds. And that, that trainer is like, let's do it. And it's a high-intensity workout, and there's no idea of what that person has been through before, where they're looking to go. And, you know, that, that trainer in their mind is like, I'm doing the right thing. We're hitting it. And it's like... Are you, though? You know, there, there's a better approach there. Yeah. But I've also seen the approach where it's almost too analytical and it's too assessment and the person is kind of like made to feel very awkward, you know, in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. So. And the, I came to exercise, not to be poked and prodded. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, which is why it's sometimes better to have a phone call first where you ask all those questions. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you come in and then you can go right into the workout and maybe a tiny bit of assessment. But um, yeah, I think that's good. Awesome. So we're going to transition a little bit from the, the buy-in approach to big picture. And we're going to look at where you think, and again, this is a very loaded question, where you think the fitness industry is going? All right. <laughs> Strap in. That's a very loaded question. Strap in. Number one, 10 years from now, I think there'll only be a few CrossFits left. They've, they've cannibalized themselves a lot. The consumer has more information and they're understanding more and more, I think, that harder is not always better. Uh, and I think there'll be a new fad. And I think you're already seeing it with Orange Theory, the, the Barry Boot Camps where there's like the technology and the heart rate monitors. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I don't know if high intensity stuff will ever go away. I think it'll just transfer into something new and more technology based and more heart rate based. I love the heart rate stuff. I love that CrossFit's gotten barbells popular, kettlebells popular. And I love that CrossFit gets people actually training harder and makes it okay to train hard but i think the the overall arching philosophy uh or the mindset i think a lot of people are starting to stray from and i'm already seeing a lot of gyms drop the name uh they're continuing their process but i see a lot of gyms dropping the, the crossfit name from their gyms because it's kind of served its purpose right so for example i have a friend who has I think 550 members and he's like, well, I don't need the name anymore. I don't need to be affiliated with them. I have 550 people and not one of them is going to leave because I dropped the name. They're all yeah. here because of the community. Right. And they want to be here. Yeah. So personally, I think that they'll be gone in the next 10 years and it'll just be replaced by some other <laughs> experience with more lights and more colors. Uh, you're almost seeing like the rave party thing yeah. uh, make its way with, especially with the younger generation. They're all about the EDM and the Soul Cycle classes and all the craziness. So I, I think that that'll get. We'll keep seeing the fads as we go along here, but there'll be a different one. <clears throat> virtual. I'm actually part of this movement right now with the company that I'm at. We're trying to launch a, a virtual product. Now I am the most skeptical person in the world when it comes to online tech, okay. um, as you. If you've listened to my, my book choices, like deep work and all those things that I'm not somebody who likes to be on technology a lot. Right. But here's the thing is like you don't want to be left behind either. I don't want to be that old curmudgeon trainer that's like I only do in-person <laughs> stuff because uh, I'll be out of clients in a while. 
or very soon. Right. And what you're seeing is is that I, I'm going to call it the Amazon effect. There's no reason to leave your house anymore in the next 10 years. Why would you leave? I did all my Christmas shopping already, and it's only November 16th <laughs> from my couch watching football. Yep. And it's all at my door. It's all here already. Like, why would I ever leave and do that again? So, and you're seeing more and more people shifting their work. A lot of people are working from home now. People shot from home. They're working out at home. So you're going to, part of your, I think, in the next five, 10 years, you're going to have to be on this virtual side where you're offering online training stuff. And yeah. I mean, like virtual, like like FaceTime, Skype, Zoom, all of those things, you're, people are going to have to start going that route and at least offering it as part of what they do. Um, with that said, I don't think the standalone gyms will leave because what happens is, is when all of the, the terrible things, well, I don't want to say terrible things, but all the tough things in life like shopping and getting your groceries and work are all done at home, that leaves you way more time to do the other things outside of the home that you like to do, mm -hmm. which may be go to the gym. So maybe owning a standalone gym is going to be a very important thing to have because now people are looking at gyms for community Yes, because we're very social creatures. So living at home all the time isn't going to be good for us either. We're going to have to leave, but we're only going to leave for fun and community. And I think gyms are going to start replacing a lot of like, just for example, like I don't think a lot of buildings will have businesses where people go to work anymore because people are just going to do it all from home. Right. Um, and those, so now there's going to be more cafes, there's going to be more amusement parks, more like, so that I think we're going to see a big shift to that. Cause you can just do everything from your house. So um, I have two questions, two, two yeah. questions based on that. And yeah. I totally agree with you regards uh, the whole Amazon effect. And part one was definitely like, do you see gyms, which you might have already answered just being like that community, almost, you know, I, I say to people how churches used to be way back in the day, like that was the focal point of community, right? Um, yeah. But then also for people who offer online training. So this is something I've gotten into, and it's a, it's a double-edged sword because you want to yeah. keep up with what's going on. But then if it's someone you've never seen in person, that can be challenging coaching someone through that medium, right? Right. Totally. So to answer your first question, yes, the community thing, like it used to be religion. It used to be the church that you went to. That was, I mean, for thousands of years, that's where everyone congregated. Mm -hmm. And now it's turning. And that's, there's a book, I think, Onward, or what's it, about the Starbucks uh, by Howard Schultz. Okay. It's about how Starbucks, their whole mission is to make Starbucks your third home. So you have your home where you have your family, you have the place you, that you work, and then Starbucks. Okay. And I think, I mean, it's different for everyone. So for some people, that's going to be the gym. And I think Mark Fisher Fitness has probably done the best job out of anyone for this or in this realm of creating a gym space where it's community. And like I said, that he's, he's doing the rave party thing. Yeah. People go to Mark Fisher Fitness to dance to meet people, to have fun, to enjoy exercise, uh, and they love being there, and then they go to work, and then they go home. And 
so I think there's going to be uh, that, and that's what I think Mark is providing the industry, and why everyone is so drawn to him right. is because he's he's the next wave. Like the gym that he's he's creating in Mark Fisher Fitness. If anyone hasn't ever heard of him, go check out his stuff. It's a little out there if you're a little conservative, <laughs> um, but if you have an open mind, you can definitely see why people like going there and why it's their third home. Right. So I think yes, I think a gym can be that place. But I don't think it's going to be like your 24-hour fitnesses or your no, your no. equinoxes. Yeah, no. So because you need that community piece, which is just as important as the exercises you exactly, select. Exactly, exactly. Which is, again, CrossFit's done a great job of, of that. They create a community where everyone's working hard. Everyone buys the, the grocery shopping list. Mm-hmm. And they have, they have parties there. They all go out and drink beer together and have lunch and, like, They've done a very, very good job of that, and that's why they—that's why they're so big. For sure. Your second question was oh, about online training, and yes, you lose—you lose that ability to make good decisions, which is unfortunate. But if we're going to go rational optimist side of things, <laughs> um, if we're not going to go the pessimist side, we're going to say, I much rather have me on that call with them, watching them exercise, and have an accountability session or time on their calendar that makes them do it because if we didn't have this online call and this FaceTime, i wouldn't be able to see like what they're doing on for their exercises or what their squat looks like right and they probably wouldn't do it so again it's a double-edged sword so you lose the ability to make good decisions and you you lose that in-person connection that community feel but they're actually doing the exercise, <laughs> which right, is right, right. part of, I mean, I think it's, uh, uh, what's his name there? 80% of success is showing up. Yeah. So it, getting them to show up and be on the screen and you can watch them, I think is huge. And maybe, again, I think it's going to be more of a supplement. I don't think it'll take over and be the only option. I think it'll be like, hey, John, when you go to New York next week, do you want to do some online training when you're in your hotel room? Yeah. Like, yeah, like, okay, yeah, like, we normally train on Thursdays at 9 a.m. Let's let's keep it 9 a.m. It'll be 12 p.m. for you, but I'm here in California. Let's do it. Right. And so you, you're you're not missing sessions. So I think it'll be used more like that. Yeah. At least that's how I'm seeing it. Cool. Okay. Last, my last point. There's going to be less and less machines, and I think the machine stuff will will stick around in like your your globo gyms but i think we're seeing all of these gyms pop up where it's all about the barbell the kettlebell the move strong rack or the the racks with the trx's and there's turf in most gyms now yeah so i think we're we're seeing a big shift towards that but we're not necessarily seeing better exercise selection (laughs) um (laughs) and maybe that's a personal bias because i own a company that uh, we certify people in pretty much exercise, making better exercise selection yeah. with the CFSC. So I love that we're getting rid of the machines and the consumer. Like we talked about this in my the the book podcast that we did. The with the information age, the consumers are getting smarter. So people are are, are accepting of free weights now. They're not afraid to touch barbells. They know that kettlebells and all and um, lifting weights is good for you and good for your cardiovascular health. And it's not just about being on the treadmill and doing the machines anymore. And the barriers for having a trainer are getting lower and lower because of this virtual piece. Right. 
So, and Peloton is a perfect example. So the Peloton bike, you can pay a subscription per month and you have somebody on a screen that's telling you what to do. And it's like, whatever, probably 50 to to $100 a month. So the barriers for having somebody tell you what to do with credible information is, is the, it's getting lower so people are getting smarter and they're making better decisions and they have access to it more. Right. But again, like that, there's the double-edged sword. So there's like, there's more barbells and kettlebells, but that doesn't necessarily mean people are using them correctly. So there needs to be this education piece for the trainers themselves and for the client. So I think education is huge. Um, and thinking of your trainers need to start thinking of themselves as teachers and mentors and less as trainers. Yeah. Uh, I'm not just a trainer where I tell you to pick shit up and put it down. Like, we talk about health, your family. I, we, we, there's a motivational piece. There's a, and I want to teach you to empower yourself in order to do this on your own so you can do it safely so you don't need me all the time and you don't need to pay me every week. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want you to have to do that. I want you to be excited to go work out on your own. So, yeah, I think there, there's this barrier is coming down. It's easier to get a trainer, but the information is necessarily not better because there's a lot of it so it's and maybe what I've, coach Boyle for example has made his whole career on taking all the information and deciphering it down into very simple ways to consume it um, and that's what I think we should be doing as trainers is we educate ourselves we are the experts and then we take all that information that people are getting from different sources of media like eggs are bad eggs are good eggs are bad eggs are good and then we're really the ones that are supposed to be the ones that are deciphering that information and then providing it to them and being that educational source yeah so i guess that what that really means is that trainers are now being viewed more and more as health professionals 20 years ago if you told someone you were a trainer you you usually felt like you, people might have thought you were a loser, right? They're like, oh, man, like, what a loser. Like, you're a personal trainer. Like, you're just a big, muscly meathead. Right. And now if you tell people you're a trainer, they're like, oh, my God, what what do I do? What do I do, what do, I do about this thing underneath my arms? And you're like, oh, uh, I don't know. Like, should I eat this? How much should I be sleeping, right? Like, you, I mean, you almost don't want to tell anyone you're a trainer anymore because they won't leave you alone. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, like, people are viewing trainers as almost medical professionals now, and it's upon the trainer and us as a group to make sure we're, we're well-educated. Well right, right. I um. I totally agree with you in respect to coaches and, and trainers and are more on the front lines of the healthcare industry now as opposed to years before because I think our scope has widened as to what we're expected to, but also what we're willing to take on when it comes to the people we coach every day. And you know, um, right? I de I definitely feel like the smaller scale gym, like you said, like the community based gym, is going to phase out your your corporate machine based you know chains mm. because there's zero community there yes you might have 24 hour access but there's zero community and those right. those corporate chains are built around people's inability to show up and it's like <laughs> we're just going to collect right. your money every month as you sit at home you know so mm -hmm. yeah. yeah that model doesn't last i mean it works for now but again as the consumer gets smarter they're going to not be putting their money into those things right right <laughs> hopefully exactly. Okay, yeah. I love what you said there, though. It's like, as trainers, because we are looked at more as preventable medicine, 
and we're looked at more as experts, that we are seeing more people come to us with more, say, injuries, more diseases, more like more tougher clients than where it used to be like, I just want to get huge, I'm young, I'm a good athlete. Yeah. Like only athletes used to have trainers, right? Exactly. So um, yeah, we're now we're now seeing a big scope of like I don't I mean, most of my people all have something going on. They I don't have a lot of very super healthy 25-year-olds that I get to, to crush all the time. Um, right, right. And that kind of plays into yeah. what you said, though, about the people who pay our bills. Like, they're the, you know, the working professionals who are probably not in their 20s, maybe late 20s, maybe in some respects, but generally anywhere from 30 up, right? Right, right. And if you've made any money that where you can afford personal training, you've probably given up your health a little bit. <laughs> right. Well, that's the thing, yeah. That's the thing. Um, that's the, the balance, yeah. The balance, right? So that's that's kind of where I see the industry going. You've got your, I think your CrossFit's will be gone. It'll be replaced by tech and heart rate monitors and, and crazy lights and, and rave party type of experiences. <laughs> we, it's going to go virtual, like at least some aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, and then I think yeah, you're seeing this, the, the less machines, and you're seeing the more community-based gyms kind of overtaking the machine-based places for sure for sure and uh you know just to to, just to wrap it all up i i feel like what you said about how we are so able to get away with being at home all the time for a lot of things that these gyms like we like you know people you serve and the way you coach and even at at mbsc and kevin and marco any any good coach really the way we coach we have people moving around it's not sitting on a machine it's not just walking on a treadmill um, because we're not going to be that mobile during our everyday because things are so easy, we can literally sit at home on a laptop and do our work. But I think it's going to be so much more important to go through that gym and move for an hour, 90 minutes or whatever it is, you know? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. So it's, it's definitely interesting to look at the timeline of how a trainer or coach has gone from being a meathead carrying around a jug of water to someone who (laughs) (laughs) you'll trust with like, what do I do for this injury or, or will you train my kids, you know, for sports and stuff like that. So it's, it's, uh, it's good. It's good. Yep. No, I, I, a lot of us, yeah, went from, I went from power lifter to bodybuilder in college to the functional guy. Yeah. Right. (laughs) The, the evolution, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Still, ev- still evolving, I, I think. Well, yeah, hopefully, like, fingers crossed, we're all doing that. Yeah. <laughs> fingers crossed. Yeah, we're not going. Fingers crossed, we're not going backwards. That's very like true. The Amazon effect us again. Oh my goodness! All right, hey, thank you very much for taking the time, Bretham. Absolutely, John. Thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure. Uh, yeah, guys, listen to home. Thank you for tuning in to the World of Health podcast. I'll catch you on the next episode.